Everybody, welcome to the Live from America podcast. My name is Noam Dwarman. I'm doing the introduction today. Um, of course, we're here today with Mr. Stephen Calabria. Howdy. Um, what's your credit? I don't know. Producer. Journalist. Person. Internationally acclaimed comedian and Comedy Central. Basically, he's the whole Comedy Central franchise. Chris Stefano, everybody. Thank you. You have your regular show on Comedy Central these I'm, days, right? I'm a regular show on Comedy Central. Good time slot, Friday nights, 11.30. Following uh, following the Comedy Cellar show? Uh, yeah, but my show's on five... My show's an interstitial show, five minutes uh, on... It's basically commercials for other shows. So right. I appreciate you saying that, but, you know, fake news. Uh, my old friend... <laughs> but, you know, I realize I've never said your last name out loud. Abulhija. 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 Makes me want to put a coat Mustafa. <laughs> Abulhija. Yikes. Who is... Um, a legendary comedy seller figure. He started here as a waiter, yeah. and he became a manager. You were a manager. And then he was one of the very first outdoor hosts who uh, would actually induce people to come in, and he would in, uh, and, and bring him in off the street. And then he became, from that, he parlayed that into becoming <laughs> Dave Chappelle's manager. There you go. And he negotiated... The famous, I don't know how many millions of dollars it was, deal 50. with Comedy Central. 50. 50. $50 million. There you go. But they, they, this is, that is an American immigrant success story. And most importantly, last okay. month, he was in bed in a hospital waiting for a heart transplant. And he's back here today. Without the heart. Without the heart, but we're very, very happy to have him back. Hatem Gab, everybody. Give him a big round of applause. Yeah. Hatem is back. <laughs> you should do the introduction all the time. I like it better well, than I, me. I, I, it meant something to me today. So how, how are you, you feeling? I'm okay. I'm okay. I know. That's it? Well, it's sad. I don't want to say it in the podcast. We'll talk about it after. But, I've, you know, I'm fine. I'm happy. You know, I'm out of the hospital. Just waiting. So um, uh, waiting for a phone call. And when it happens, it happens. So. He's, waiting, he's waiting for a, a heart transplant. Can you imagine? Yeah. You don't want to talk about it? No, it's fine. It's, it's too sad. Uh, okay. we'll, we'll, we'll do comedy stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, but thank you. And donate, everybody, uh, your organs. Well, I, I will say that I'm just amazed at your disposition that, yes. that you can come, even when you're texting from the hospital, don't worry about me, whatever, and then um, that you can come and like do a podcast and talk about things. I Not know. I was shocked, man, when he told me he was going to be here today. Yeah, I mean, like, this is the only thing, you know, um, going on, you know, this is what gives you hope and, and you feel like you're alive still, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's always somebody who have it worse than you. Like, th my next door uh, neighbor was a, a baby, you know, so you always say, like, I'm lucky, at least I lived a little bit, you know, so it's different. But, uh, but you know, it's, uh, you know, little things in life you really enjoy. And this is one of the things, being one of my friends, you know, I grew up here, basically. So Does everything it. remind you, like, if, if The Wizard of Oz came on? Yeah, and the Tin Man is singing about a heart. 
Yeah. You, you know, funny you said that. Any song with a hud, I remember. Yeah. It's it's like that. Yeah, it's true. Well, that happened with us on the email thread. Like we're on the same oh, yeah. email chain. Oh my I felt like such an asshole. Oh, that was uh, funny. Do you do you remember this? No. I sent uh you know, we're on the same chain with like a few comics and whatever, and uh we always send around articles that we think are interesting. So I saw one life expectancy in red states versus blue states and i was like ah the guys will really enjoy this and i sent it out and five minutes later hot time responds guys can we not talk about life expectancy and you know everybody you know that's the funny part nobody responded the whole yeah right like, nobody else. everybody's like yeah you know right. but nobody talked about it but yeah uh, i had no I clue until yesterday you didn't know. Liz told, Liz told me yesterday. Yeah, I didn't tell a lot of people really. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Ay, ay, ay. All right. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to dwell. On it. I don't want to make you uh, feel. So what's what's the, what's the topic for tonight? Comedy cellar. Yeah, we have Mustafa here. There it is. <laughs> yeah, the history of the comedy cellar. Manny's anniversary. Uh, an article Stephen wrote as well. You know that I. Maybe we should start with that. You the anniversary of my father's death. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, Stephen's article. I, I didn't get a chance to read his article, but I, actually, I'll, okay. I'll I'll read it now. Yeah. Well, can we can we keep talking? Yeah. Okay, go Am ahead. Am I allowed to say anything anti-Semitic or? Please. Oh, <laughs> please. Do. Yeah. That's why I'm here. That's why you're, <laughs> you're an Arab. You can't get canceled. I just, I just like I, I was telling Hatem. I'm like, what if they offered you a Jewish heart? Would you take it? I told him. I said. I, I said. I bet you're, you're in bed waiting for some hussy to come home from a drunk from a strip club and get into a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the hospital. There, the whole hospital. Th this is the first. It's North Shore Hospital. Really good, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, th they don't. Th it's the first program for heart transplant. And a Jewish lady donated a hundred million dollars for the hospital, and that's how they started the whole thing. Wow. You know? wow. I know. See, the Jews are always winning in this thing. Yeah. Listen, so. rich people in general give a lot of money to charity. You know. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen, so you want to tell us about your article? Okay, Stephen Calabria has an article. Oh. It's uh, why comedians are over late night. The network shows were once the main way forward in, in comedy career. With their collapse, comics are finding other avenues. And this is, um, I have to, there's a paywall here. I can't read this. There's not a paywall. Oh, there is. Really? It says, or it says, you've reached the end of your free member preview for this month. Oh, well, oh, you've been going on Arc Digital a lot then, I guess. All right. So I wish I could have remembered. I wish I had known that. Anyway, um, so you'll have to tell us about the article then. Go ahead. All right. So, well, um, just, I guess I was talking to a bunch of comics over the course of the past, I don't know, year or so. And everybody was always, especially people who were going on late night were telling me, you know, you have to jump through so many hoops. They don't let you be who you want to be. You have to curtail your material to the standards that they want. You have to cut it down. You have to cut out all of the juicy its bits. And I started thinking, oh, there's a there's a piece here. And especially with the rise of podcasting and social media and these other avenues that comics are using to push out their material, especially straight to the audience and not through this kind of late night filter, it made sense to write a piece about it and interview some of uh, the comics I know. Who would you interview? Nick Griffin, Corinne Fisher from Guys We Fucked, and Andrew Schultz. And? And well, they... Well, Schultz is, is the, the, the most obvious... Mm -hmm. what, what did Schultz say? Well, Schultz uh, was in agreement. And Schultz, from what I remember, has never done a late-night spot. Well, so, let's, so, what? so, so Schultz has, a, has made a career for himself. Maybe, you, maybe Chris can mm. tell it better. What, what, how would you describe what's happened to him? Andrew, I would say, is like kind of like one of like the pioneers now of like 
there's a lot of YouTube comedians, but as far as a stand-up guy with a backbone in stand-up, a guy respected by his peers for traditionally doing stand-up, now being able to sell, I think he just sold out the Orpheum Theater on a pre-sale. Yes. That's four thousand seats. The two shows, four thousand seats. You know, uh, people who have specials. Uh, you know, I Comedy Central special. Um, all my, you know, all my other peers have Netflix specials. Whatever. Nobody's selling tickets like Andrew, and it's all on his own. So actually. Going on Andrew Schultz's Flagrant 2 podcast or Billion Idiots podcast is a way bigger deal for us than going on The Tonight Show. Right. So, wow. so and a lot of our peers are still blind to that fact. You know, they'll, you'll, I watch them, you know, like at the, we're at the comedy cellar, not judging anybody, but it's like, you know, they'll pat themselves on the back for doing The Tonight Show for the fifth time or, oh, let's have a celebration, let's have a viewing party for, I did Seth Meyers, and all these things are great. But this is not moving your career forward at all. I mean, what, I mean what not, did, not, not in the slightest. All it's doing is maybe giving you a nice piece of tape right. that you can put on your own Instagram and subtitle and hopefully gets shared around and maybe goes viral that way because it's not going to work. I almost think it's, it's gotten to such a point that I almost think glossy, you know, uh, tight shot, beautifully shot comedy is not what people want at all. They want it raw I had a, my special on Comedy Central. I did a bit about what happened to me on 9-11. My father got into a fight. Uh, I, I got into a fight. My father came and almost killed the principal and blah, 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 blah. And I did it on Comedy Central, and my special came and went. I was fine. I was happy to do it, cash the check. It was beautiful. But it's accolades for my peers. The people, the public didn't care at all. Nobody saw it. I do that same bit, a little buzzed, having a good time at the Comedy Cellar in September, Put it out, you know, Liz from the comedy cell gives me the tape. I subtitle it myself, put it out, goes viral. All my shows are sold out in New York City from that. So the the one, the old school version uh-huh. of Comedy Central special, HBO special, Netflix special, Tonight Show, people just scroll. Nope, nope, nope. Comedy seller camera, you know, kind of grungy, you know, just me in my own zone, no network executive saying you can't say this, you can't say that. <laughs> goes viral because the people know the the bull the, the jig is up with the bullshit now. It's like guy like Andrew Schultz, so I'm saying that to say what Schultz is the direct to the consumer, nobody's editing him and what he's producing is something that would he would have to have six six tonight shows and three hour long specials to achieve in the nineties. He's achieving from just his own mind pressing record on his own camera and going right to the fans. Right. Okay, can I tell you what bothers me about what you just said? Yeah. You guys really think that these that these tapes come from Liz? <laughs> <laughs> well, Liz is the one we email. Yeah, yeah. Actually, <laughs> understand that she's she's not like I put in the cameras. I have the no, idea. No. I I have a whole system of of well, I put in a two thousand dollar a month internet connection so yeah. that you could get these. Files high speed. Yeah, there is. I gotta say, well, there is. She one, presses return. I appreciate. Oh, Liz, got there me is one tape. Well, just because we emailed Liz. <laughs> there no, is no, one no. tape that we're still looking for though, What's and that? we have not found the Donald Trump one. Oh, that no, that one's gone. So, oh, it might be, it might be my attic. But no, but more seriously, so we just also add to the Andrew Schultz thing. He's also saying things that you're not supposed to say. Absolutely. And he's mm. proving that that's what people people sure. want unfiltered. Uh, uh, the, the stuff that you can get canceled for saying, yeah. that's what people want to hear. And it's become such a niche market. Andrew Schultz's fa- to Andrew Schultz and his fans, he is the GOAT. He is their Dave Chappelle. Okay, so you'll have, you'll have uh, some of our other peers being like, oh, you know, 
hating on it because he's not going through the direct the, the way that historically comedians usually do it. And it's like, well, to Andrew's fans, they love him. So it's all neat. It's almost like if you want to if you want to try to have some general uh, general comedy that's appetizing to the country, good luck. Nobody cares about that shit anymore. Nobody cares about you being on The Tonight Show. But if you want to be niche and you want to have a specific market and hammer that market out, like Andrew Schultz is doing, you'll see. You'll see the tickets will come. That's the only, nobody is selling tickets other than my peers who are either grandfathered in or have huge podcasts or uh, huge social media followings. And that's just the truth. So, you know, you can either die in that old world or try to adapt and, you know, survive in this. Now, and, Tom, go ahead. Well, Andrew also said to me that uh, going on Rogan, Joe Rogan's yeah, show, uh... twice had an explosive mm -hmm. effect on his following. Way more so than going on The Tonight Show ever would. Right. I wonder what Nick Griffin said, because he's been in The Tonight Show like 10 times. Nick Griffin, well, that's why I asked him. Yeah. Uh, Nick Griffin, for our listeners who don't know him, is, you know, uh, a seasoned comic who is well-respected by his peers and has been on Let was on Letterman more than any other comic. Those are like body blows, if you ever a heard seasoned, that. A seasoned <laughs> comic. Like, like, I was trying to be as diplomatic as possible here. Uh, <laughs> but he's, he's, Nick Griffin is one of the most respected comics yes, working in the yes, city. Yes, absolutely. Um, For sure. He is, he is a joke-writing warlock. Machine. Uh, but so uh, Nick has been on Letterman more than any other comic ever. Yep. I think only Al Lubell has got more. Right, more, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, over 10 times. Yeah. And he said, you know, um, it, it going on late night sucks nowadays. I'm paraphrasing here. But it still serves a purpose because, number one, you get the exposure. And, number two, they kiss your ass. And sure. comics aren't used to having their asses kissed. He said you walk in the building. They treat you really well. They take care of your car. You have all this food. You you know, they, they treat you like a normal human being. And then two days later, you are performing for six people after eating a chicken sandwich driving for eight hours True. in Omaha. By the way, how does what Schultz is doing compared to what Dane Cook did like 15, 20 years. I was going to say, if yeah. the only comparison you can make to Andrew, and he hasn't hit that height yet, but I, I believe that, I mean, if Andrew can sell 4,000 seats on a pre-sale, fast forward three, four years, he can probably do Madison Square Garden just like Dane Cook did, especially, and his market in New York is probably his biggest market. I don't... So, 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 so with Dane, the original MySpace, what, what Andrew's doing with YouTube is what Dane Cook did with, with MySpace. Um, so I think that, you know... I he's like a pioneer in it and and like doing you know like I said having Andrew even when Andrew comes and does our podcast you know we're all peers we're all friends where it's like it just it all helps the algorithm right I mean it's it's a science now where it's like I did David Letterman and the hour special I did all that shit the only reason I'm selling tickets now for the first time in my career is because I did all the big podcasts I did everything but Rogan but because I did everything with Rogan my social media following went from 50,000 last year to 173,000 so it's like, you know, w what do you want? Like, I'm trying to, I love doing stand-up. I respect, you know, all the places that do it. But it's like, I'm not going to shit on somebody who's doing social, going the social media YouTube route because that's, the, that's what we should be doing. I mean, I have a daughter. I, I want to have a career here. Why would anybody shit on somebody who's succeeding, because not hurting negative. anybody? Yeah. It's, be it's I mean, look. It's, it's, all this fake, it's all this fake conditioned thinking, right? It's all, even, even you, I'll say, you know, because I love and respect the comedy seller, like, you know I do. But even this is like, you know, com comedians will pound their chest and be like, I'm a comedy seller comedian. It's like, the wait staff's making more money than you. What are you talking about? 
You know, it's like it's like I I respect that. I love and appreciate this place, but it's like <laughs> but it's like do you want to do you want to be successful? You got big balls on no, you, Buster. No, no, no but <laughs> no, but I'm saying like all, it. No, but I'm saying it with all due respect because I do love it. Oh, I just as long as you say it with all due respect, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> no, 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 because because just make sure you say those words. No, 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 no because it, it is a privilege to come here, but it's like it's it's all this conditioned thinking where it's like, what do you want to be? I I have a. By the way, that girl I saw you with last week. With all the respect, yeah. <laughs> I fucked her too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like it's like I got it. You know, you want to be. I'm saying like you want to be the comedian that comes to the comedy show that that gets so big because they can just drop in. Like that's what you want. Of course. But it's like you know some of our peers will sit and be like, oh, you know, I'm the comedy seller comedian. It's like good for you. Uh, it's like but I, I, I got to say something, yeah. and you're probably gonna get mad, but. Uh, uh, he's right. It's not the same. It's not the <laughs> With same. With all due respect. Here we go. This and the way staff does make more than like, Come check me out tonight. Not... The comedy is <laughs> the last spot I'll ever have here. <laughs> but it's not the same like it used to be. Like I, I to, be, to perform at the comedy I'm not saying summer. that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that. Okay. No, I okay. came back to say this. that. I got a couple of things to say. Go ahead. Yeah. Talk, talk uh, close to the mic. Talk close yeah. to the mic. Andrew, Andrew is, I have respect for him because he took things to his own hand. Yeah. You know, if he was accepted by the industry from the beginning and things were working well for him, he would have not gone to YouTube. Sure. He went to YouTube because he mm -hmm. figured he's not he's talented and he's not seeing that talent uh, translate into monetary gain. Right. Yep. So he went to YouTube and he did what he had to do and it worked out well for him. Right. But. As far as your comment on the on the wait staff making more than the comedian, yeah, the 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 wait staff was always making more than the comedian. <laughs> yeah, no. but, but let me let me just yep. finish my, my point. Um, I was here when I started, where the the comedians actually worked for a meal. Yeah, you know, and I'm talking about comedians like Dave Chappelle, right? Comedians who who yep. basically started their career here at the you know at the cellar, but. The, the 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 way the business work is the the comedy club is a place where you come and you practice yeah. and to go out to the ward and put this out and and and, yeah. and tour with it yeah. you know so you know the fact that that um, the comedians are not making money it's pretty much it's an investment in their own career I mean you know comedians are artists just like any other artist even rappers that starting up even even uh, even uh, sketch artists whatever it is they start with nothing and then they go up yeah. but to, to have a platform like the comedy seller to be able to go on and that you are sure that the crowd like the quality of the crowd is that good it's it's uh you know it's a big plus absolutely into, no you I, know? I, I think i think the the comparison i was trying to make because it's all love and respect for the comedy seller it is a privilege to perform it's the best club in the country i'm we're all aware of that I better think that, better I, 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 <laughs> no, but no and i mean that i, I, I don't care what I, you say no, you, know, no, no. you know i don't care right? no no but i think but i Just think be honest the comparison well the the, the the comparison i was trying to make was that the same kind of you know uh the same group of my peers that will think that the Tonight Show, or, or I'm just using as an example, a late night set, because, you know, Stephen's article is going to change the career, is the same guy that thinks because he or she is past at the Comedy Cellar, they're a better comedian than someone who's not past at the Comedy Cellar. Correct. And it's just all conditioned thinking, which is what I think Andrew is doing a good job of kind of shutting down, where it's like, you think outside the box a little bit, and you can control your own destiny. Mm -hmm. But that's still, I mean, Andrew still plays the Comedy Cellar. I would, if I had what Andrew had, I would still play the Comedy Cellar because it's just the best place to be. So, you know? so, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Is, there, is there some aspect of the industry, which, not ticket sales, which still does respond to, to, to The Tonight Show and things like that? Absolutely. I was actually... Casting, 
yeah. uh, sitcoms, whatever. I was going to touch on that. Go ahead. Uh, I think that that is most prevalent amongst comics who aren't at a place like the Comedy Cellar yet. Like p- people who are up and coming. I mean, every comic has their own podcast now. It's one of these things that lends you credibility. But once you've reached, you know, your fifth time, it's like, okay, this person is locked in. We know this person is mm-hmm. great. Now, now, what else do you got? Do you have a niche audience that you can fall back on? Well, even even a sitcom. I saw this. I saw this, and this was in two, back in two thousand twelve. I was at Caroline's, and Chris D'Elia, who's a huge star now, but from social media stuff, Chris D'Elia was on the show Whitney, the NBC sitcom Whitney. It was in its second season. There was a big billboard of Chris D'Elia up in Times Square. Caroline's is right there, you know, famous club in Times Square. And he had half the room filled on a Saturday night. The curtain was up. And then Giannis Pappas, who's a good friend of mine, had a viral YouTube character at the time called Maurisa, and he was adding shows. He, he had done seven, eight sold-out shows, and that was the first time I saw, wow, the power of the internet versus the power of television. It's mm-hmm. like so many of my peers have had sitcoms that just come and go. I mean, right? Like days of Everybody Loves Raymond, it's over. Like, I mean, yeah, you'll make 25, Even 30. Mulaney had one. Even Mulaney. Yeah. You know, our Jermaine Fowler, I mean, granted, I mean, they're making money. They're stacking cash away, absolutely, and there's no, no disrespect on that. That's what we all want. But I want ticket sales and longevity. Right. It's like, so you, the ticket sales and longevity. And you, want not, to, you also want to feel good about yourself. It's a, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not coming from a sitcom anymore. You don't want to get canceled. It's, it's not. It's going to come from a podcast. Like Joe Rogan is, I mean, doing Joe Rogan is doing the, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson in 1975. That's yeah. how big it is, right? right? So, That's so amazing. I think people know that now. So, yeah. No, no you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, like, in, I remember, I, I think I mentioned it before, when, when they wanted to do the comedy festival in, in Dubai and they wanted, uh, they want me to send them American names and stuff, they ask how many followers do they have? We don't care if they're funny or not. Two things, just not Jewish and um, yeah, and not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, th- I think the industry, but yeah. the, the industry responds well to these l- late night shows. Still, Hollywood oh. loves that shit. Right. They they love to see it. They love they love to know that you've you've done all these shows. Mm-hmm. It's on your resume. You know, when you when you go hire a PR company, this is the first time that, that you they want to do the for you. Yeah, they want to. I mean, look, you, you know, the the status quo is changing in this business. It's yeah. you know, everything is going online. I mean, look yeah. at look at you know, look at the stores and look at Amazon. I mean, yeah. everything is going online. Yeah. But it's still, uh, I believe that the talent is talent. You know, and when you're when you're a star, when you're somebody that you're so talented as a stand-up comedian, regardless where you go. You still gonna make it. I don't believe for a second that someone that is very talented, that I mean, the street would pick you up. The the mm-hmm. you know the, if the industry did. Well, you, 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 you're gonna make it to an extent, but there's so many really funny people. They're not as as famous as they should be, and they work here. A lot. Yeah, of sometimes mean, sometimes you know, it's a person. It's a personal decision. They will get, they will get work. They'll yeah, be yeah, great. Yeah, but, yeah, but not, no. Like, sometimes it's a personal decision, and sometimes it's a it's a pers- personal destruction too, because we all know some comedians that are very talented. But they have some sort of a problem, like whether who? it's alcoholism, <laughs> whether it's it's uh, it's drugs, or whether it's sex. you know or sex, whatever it is, you know they do have some of them that limits them. I mean, well, I remember seeing comedians after their show going outside and writing, jotting things down based on what they performed, and I saw different comedians going and basically trying to pick up the first girl that they saw coming out. It's yep. a, it's a it's a personal decision that you make. This is business. I mean, you gotta put in it what you put in it. You get you you get out. Well, you mentioned Hollywood, and it's like I think it depends on what your goals are as a comedian. My goal 
I think the only thing to give me longevity is ticket sales. I want to sell tickets like some of my peers who I started with, the Michelle Wolfs, the Sam Minaj, all the, the way they sell tickets, Andrew Schultz. I want to sell tickets like that because I know, like, I had a whole deal with Comedy Central. Just I had a great year financially. I made more money than I ever thought I could ever make. But I'm still scared about 2020 because Comedy Central deal is over. That money is gone. My peers like Schultz and Michelle and Hassan, they don't have to worry about it because the ticket sales are still coming in 2020. So if, if you're a comedian who wants ticket sales to Steven's article, then forget about the late nights. Forget about Hollywood because even if you get a sitcom, even if you, unless you get a major, major, Correct. major movie or you were the lead in Game of Thrones, nobody's coming to your shows. I mean, our peer Gerard Carmichael, who's doing very well financially, had an NBC show for three seasons. I don't think he could sell out the comedy seller. Right? You know, he couldn't sell 100 seats. Nobody knows who he is because nobody watches that shit anymore. But they do know who the YouTube stars are and the Instagram stars are. And I think it's like, it's almost like the Titanic where it's like the, the, the movie and TV industry is so big. And the Titanic saw that iceberg and they could not get out of the way because it's so big and there's so many moving parts where podcasts and Instagram accounts feel like speedboats. It's like, I see that shit coming and I'm just going to move. I'm not attached to this stuff. But... You know, the other things, it's like you're going to they're going to have to adapt or they fail. And and a lot of my peers, I'm sure at some point, you know, in the next five years, you know, legendary comics are just going to have to start selling real estate because the, the the comedy club dates. That's another thing. I don't know if you touched on this, but the comedy club dates it used to be, you know, if you're doing 50 weeks out of 50, uh, 50 dates out of 52 weeks, whatever it is, it was always stand ups. Now, you'll you know, five years ago, it was OK, 40 stand ups. 10 podcasts, right? Then it's 30 stand-up. Now it's getting to the point where it's almost 60 podcast dates. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, uh, 40 podcast dates. What do you mean? The clubs, are doing, the clubs are doing live podcasts? The, the, the comedy clubs, the headlining clubs, are because a podcast or an Instagram star that'll sell out immediately. Yes, I love... Um, you know, Nick, I'm just using Nick Griffin because you because you mentioned him in the article. It's like, I love Nick Griffin. He's a, one of the best stand-ups I've ever seen in my life. But he's not going to sell tickets like Country Wayne is, right? Who's not very good at stand-up. Or Jeremy Piven. Or Jeremy Piven. But but the truth is, is, like, we know in the industry, you know, you know you have an eye for you. We've all been around it. I know that that stand-up's no good. But tell the fans of Country Wayne or tell the fans of Jeremy Piven, if you mention him, they love him. All they want is a picture with you. So tell the business owner that, hey, I'm going to make... $200,000 with this guy, or I can lose money with this other with this other really nice stand-up. It's like, I get it. Just for the record, you don't mean to knock Jeremy Piven. Not at all. No, okay, yeah. Not at all. Yeah, not knocking right. Jeremy Piven. You're, no, not, no, you're no. knocking Country Wayne, but not... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, Country Wayne. I don't know Let's Country Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I'm using him as an example just because we were... I've actually never seen Country Wayne stuff, but it's yeah. the word around the clubs is like, he just sells a lot of tickets, but the stand-up is garbage, which, you know, I mean, everybody does stand-up now, right? Michael Rappaport does stand-up. Stand-up's becoming... Stand-up's becoming... Well, it's not very hard. That's what I'm saying. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but, yeah. no, but, no, but in a way, in 2019, 2020, it's like, we know the good stand-ups, right? Right, right? But it's like, the, the tell that to the average audience. They don't care. Sure. They don't care. It's like, either you have some kind of show where you're doing a podcast and stand-up and going on the road and doing something, because, I mean, how everybody has a special now. There's nothing special about a special. I can say that, and I support all my friends who have one. I have one. I'm, I'm proud of it, but I understand that it does nothing. I'm aware that it does nothing, and I'm aware that the special isn't special. So it's like at what point are you just starting to say, well, then stand-up's becoming obsolete. Stand-up's becoming just a part of 
comedy. It used to be like, oh, stand-up's a great thing. You don't know any stand-ups. Now it's like, we're all, I mean, everybody in here has fucking done stand-up once. I, yeah, but specials is not, is not I'm, I'm sorry, but, but yeah. specials are not nothing. Look, right. you know, we, we all know also people who did Netflix specials, like Ali Wong. But that's example. the internet, though, yeah. to me. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm so if we're talking about yeah. Netflix and streaming as the I'm internet, talking, yes, that's, then that's I agree the 100%. Special, yes. Netflix, yes. Netflix, not an Amazon HBO, Prime, not, the internet. not an HBO, not, not a Comedy, Comedy Central. Central. Yes. No, no, Ali Wong, Moa Mayer, all those, those are Netflix, Hassan and Michelle, that's that's the internet to me. So I'm not. And that's where that. the exposure comes from too. That's I mean, the that's, internet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even that have changed and is changing yeah. also because now there's a big clutter and there is there is good and bad in there. And yeah, but but know. that's what I was gonna say. On the other hand, Netflix is doing special to everybody. So people. Not everybody. Not everybody. But a lot of yeah. people that are not as funny. So now instead, of like I used to open Netflix comedy. I know it's funny. Now, it's not. You have to pick and choose. Well, also, thinking you know? about a special now, like I have a, a special, uh, my second special coming up with Comedy Central, and what I learned from the first one is that the only people that came out, to, very few people watched my Comedy Central special when it aired Friday at midnight on January 18th. I mean, nobody's watching that. I'm aware of it. So what I learned is instead of, I'm going to do my special, I'm, I'm working it out, but the way I'm working it out in my head is instead of doing a full special with an arc and I'm banking on somebody that's going to watch it from minute one to minute 60 and get the callbacks from minute, fuck that. I'm doing what 20 bits that I think are going to be powerful on Instagram and social media, do the special, hopefully it goes as well as it can, give me the clips, the deal with Comedy Central, give me the clips after you are on them, Subtitle them for me. Let me put them on my social media. You put them on yours, and then we'll sell tickets. Because any other way, unless it's Netflix, even Netflix, right? Dave Chappelle, I mean, is I mean, it's a god of comedy, a god of I'm his biggest fan. I love everything he does. Even I found myself at Dave Chappelle. You can't get any higher in in my book. Twenty minutes into a special, I'm looking at my phone yeah. because we're just conditioned to do that. Have yeah. you lost your mind? So that, but I'm. <laughs> I, I know, no, no. But I'm just being honest. He took down the comedy seller and Dave Chappelle in one <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm not taking them down. I'm not taking them down. I'm, I'm just I, saying I I'm can't hold my. To, he does hold my attention. That's I'm, all. I'm just trying to be. Because Stephen asked me to come up here to talk about the article in the 2019 dynamic, and I, I'm just saying I'm making extreme examples and saying that's where I think we're at. People want to see things in one to two minute Absolutely. clips. He's the young right. millennials want to see that even and I, I use an example as Dave Chappelle because you yeah. can't get any higher on the Mount Rushmore but even Dave even Dave can do that because when you're right. the, it, you know every comedian has a different style but when you're a storyteller right I mean you're talking about you're talking about you know, beginning and end, and you callbacks and all of that. So you know, it, it takes away from stand up if sure. you if you really clip it into into like this little of. Right. of but what uh, choice you know. does he have? Uh, I'm just saying, a guy like me who yeah. I'm not Dave Chappelle, I'm looking to sell tickets. I think the only chance that I really have is to bank on my fans who I want to come out to buy tickets, seeing me in one to two minute clips on my own social media and passing around and it having a, a virality that could possibly happen from that as opposed to thinking, oh, somebody's going to watch, sit down and watch my full hour yeah, yeah, of ADHD okay. society. I don't think it's going to happen. I almost think even headlining comedy shows in 2019 going to 2020 shouldn't be an hour and a half anymore. Yeah. You should knock that down to an hour because people want to look at their fucking phones. And if they're not in the bag like they're doing at the Comedy Cellar, you're getting a distracted audience and you're seeing it. All my peers are like, Man, we can't hold these guys' attention anymore because we're not we're conditioned to look. What's the next thing, right? Sure. So that's just what I think. I mean, but you know, I took the fucking bus here. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> <about. laughs> so I, I want to say one more thing about Andrew because th there's there's always a risk of um focusing on uh, on on something to the exclusion of other important things. Yes, Andrew uh made it big on YouTube, mm -hmm. but that's really not why he's made it big, in my opinion. He's made it big because he 
came at this in a very distinct way. Mm-hmm. He was saying whatever he wanted to say, really politically incorrect stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is why he went viral on YouTube. And, and you talk about this, and, I, and I, you know, he, in other words, it would have broken through one way or another if he had the, the nerve to keep doing yes. that. Uh, even if even just word of mouth at clubs, yep. you know, yes. Um, the the temptation is to think that the reason somebody hasn't made it is because they didn't choose to go on YouTube or something like that. Mm-hmm. And these people will die on YouTube the same way they die uh, on network television. Yes. And nobody will, uh, no, you know, yeah, because, no, because nobody will will share their video. Because don't forget, you know, Stephen mentioned the Andrew Schultz Joe Rogan connection. Well, that is true, but it's not like. Andrew was not Joe Rogan found Andrew. That's the difference, right? It's like you can email Joe Rogan as much as you want. If if he wants to have you on the show, it's like so so many more comedians come and go on Rogan, right? I, I know sure. ten, 10 of my peers have done Rogan. They're, they're selling the same amount of tickets they said they did a week before, right? Yeah, that's but, my point. But 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 Joe Rogan found Andrew because he had the comedy store sold out in Los Angeles and he was already creating this buzz. Same same thing with Tim Dillon, right? They find them. So it's like that's I'm aware of that too. It's like so you want to be in a position where it's like I'm I'm focused on what I'm doing on the internet and my own stand up and it's like I'd rather you come to come to me because then I know it's organic and real as opposed to me just having my agent try to send a fucking email. It's like that's not going to work. I mean, I don't, don't want I don't want to puff up Andrew Andrew Schultz, but it just reminded me for some reason of the Beatles going on the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Ed Sullivan show exposed the Beatles and was part of their yeah. climb. But it was the Beatles, you know. Sure. What I mean? Like, like yeah. it, 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 the talent know. was there. Yeah, yeah. The but I mean, his was his there, Rogan you know? episode uh, passed a million in the first week. Is sure, right? So you I'm know? saying, and he had Sullivan show so, was the most yeah. watched show in, in his. And it was Ed time. Sullivan yeah. who found the Beatles. So the yeah, yeah. Any of my any of my peers that that talk negative about a guy like a like what Andrew's doing, I understand where they're coming from, yeah. but I also understand they're not they don't understand what's going on now. Absolutely, and I fear that they're. Also, they don't like him. He doesn't gonna, give a shit. He doesn't care at all. He does not doesn't give a care shit. at all. They're not, but they they don't get it, right? Uh. And and I'm just banking on my thought process being right, and I hopefully I am making the right choices because I think I know for sure the one world is dead, right? And now you're just banking on what can happen in the new world. So I'm I'm curious to know for a let's say there's a person who's doing open mics right now and they've been doing open mics for two years and they're trying to make it in comedy. You can you can say okay I'm talking to, <laughs> I've been doing open mics. No, gee, everybody does fucking uh, stand up. You're doing comedy? <laughs> no, you're fucking doing yeah, you stand up. I I did comedy for a month and a half. I gotta go in a few minutes. I got a spot. I I no, want. I see you're already losing people. No, no, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm already. Like, I actually really do. I'm on. I'm gonna check my phone. I'm first on the nine thirty. So I I I did stand up for a month and a half because I figured if I'm going to be working with comedians, I want to know some semblance of what it is mm-hmm. that they go through and what the process That's is. That's why you tell right. yourself. I, yeah, right. And I still tell myself. Yeah. Um, if, if you are an open micer, if you've been doing this for a while now, if you have your own podcast, what is, can you do to differentiate yourself in the industry? I personally think if you think about things that are more niche, the more niche, the better. If it's obscure and and it and you know, like I have a podcast about history, history hyenas, not with the peop- honest papas. Peep with the honest papas. People have history podcasts. Um, we just had Mo Amer on, by the way. He was fucking fantastic. Oh, I'm um, sure it was uh, a real balanced view of the Palestinian issue. But go ahead. No, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, we we did an episode on the Crusades, and then and then it all came down to we oh, all yeah, hate Jews. Told, told <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you yeah. actually came in dressed like I, a, yeah, I, I yeah. was dressed like a full in full Muslim garb, and he's uh, like, yeah, 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 my guy. Um, um, so so anyway, so but but anyway, but but I choose to, I chose to do that to pick a niche 
market that I, I genuinely like because I'm like, people have history podcasts, but not as many people have history podcasts than they do a podcast just talking about comedy. It's like, so that would be my, that would be my advice to someone is for, put, start putting stuff out on the internet, on YouTube. You can just keep building it. And if you're going to do a podcast, just try to make it that something is very specific that, yes, maybe not the general public, maybe not all 350 million people in this country want to hear it, but maybe a million do. And guess what? Those a million diehards, all you really need, man, I mean, you need like 100,000 diehard fans. If you had 100,000 diehard fans across the country, you would sell out wherever the fuck you went. I mean, you'd sell out, you'd, you'd be making millions of dollars a year. If you had 10,000 diehard fans, you'll make a million dollars a year. Yeah. It's not that many people, but, but people want to go for the general stuff. It's like, forget about that. Everybody's doing this shit. So you're going to have to get extremely specific and get your audience. And it's like, you know what? Like, whatever it is, if it's, if, it's a, if it's a race, if it's a religion, if it's a fucking cult, whatever, if they're buying tickets, get them in here. I, just, I know that the listeners at home are doing the math, and they're coming to the conclusion you cannot make millions of dollars with 10,000 fans. 10,000 was crazy. 100,000. I should get, have stopped I get, at 100,000. Yeah, yeah, 100, yeah, yeah. A million dollars yeah, yeah, yeah. in 20 years. That's why no one owns a club and I work for it. Yeah. All right, I got to go. I got to go. Chris, do you want to share go. your info before you go? Yes. Somebody uh, will follow you? Yes, ChrisDComedy.com for all my ticket dates. Got the Celebrity Theater, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, Spaceland Ballroom, uh, Hamden, Connecticut, and Victoria Theater, Newark, New Jersey, April 18th. ChristyComedy.com, HistoryIhenas.com, absolutely. Uh, Grinder.com, Christy Comedy. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll have you again soon, very soon. Great. Take it easy. Yeah. I, th I think we're going to make this, we're going to make, we need a new episode for the um, Comedy Seller podcast too. I think we're going to make this a joint episode. Maybe at the end I, I can record an, uh, like a separate introduction, just introduce it for the serious show as well. And then you cut me a separate audio version of it and we'll put that on the, the serious show too. That'd be good. Right, that's good. Is it okay with you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what else? Pal today is uh, uh, impeachment day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a well, sad day, so solemn day. Why is it a solemn day? It's a historic day. Our, our president has been impeached. You know, we remember, you'll remember where you were on the night that Donald Trump was impeached. No, well, I, he's not really impeached. He's not, yeah. I mean, impeached technically means that the House voted to send it to the Senate. Well, so he's, impe he's impeached as much as any president's ever been impeached. No president's ever been removed. Right. No president's ever been removed. Right. Nixon resigned. So he's impeached like Clinton and, yes. and, and uh, Andrew Nixon. Johnson. And Andrew no, Johnson. not Nixon. Andrew yeah, Johnson. but he will never resign. No, he would never resign and he the Senate is never going to vote him out. So uh, I don't see why I'll even remember that. We should read his, week, his, his Twitter right now. It must be on fire. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Stephen. So you, you, you're, you're, uh, you're against the impeachment. Because uh, I, I, uh, I think it's going to help him in the election. Right? They have Fox News in the hospital? Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Actually, you know what? The one thing that I watched in the hospital was Bloomberg um, uh, saying that he's running for president. I was very happy. The one thing you watched was a Jewish guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's kind of funny. No, I had a, I, I had a, a Vietnam guy, veteran, next to me. Oh, he was yeah. watching it. Yeah. A what? A Vietnam veteran. V a, Vietnam a, Viet veteran. a Vietnam veteran. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about impeachment? Uh, I, I think it's going to help him in the election. I think his, die, like, like Chris was saying, his diehard fans are going to be more diehard. Do you think he deserves to be removed from office? Yeah, of course he, sh he should be removed from the office, but he's not going to. For this? No, not for this. For a lot of things, but I don't think for this. You don't think for this? No. no. You? I don't think he should be removed from the office. I think the guy is just, he's got a big mouth. And yeah. that's a I like that he's in beach because he's a dick, so it's like it's really going to get to him. But, uh, but Yeah, it can get to him, really. but it doesn't mean anything, you know? I mean, for me, it's like if you're, if you're, if you're like, don't pull a gun if you're not going to shoot. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is exactly what's happening. They're just waving a gun in the air, but then 
Well, really, nothing a, is happening. There's here. also an argument that as a member of the legislative branch, you are sworn to uphold <laughs> the. <laughs> see, that means nothing. He does that every time I talk, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, as a member of the Senate or the House, uh, we should add that he just so got gas. He got gas. As a member of, of as a member of the Senate and the House, yeah. uh, it, the you can argue that the political consideration should even matter. If this person represents a danger to the Republic and did something that's impeachable... A danger to the Republic? Did you say the Republic? Do you actually think he... he, he Star Wars. No, I didn't say that that's what You should play Star Wars music now to the Republic. Bum, 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 bum. Listen, can anything I say be taken fucking seriously here? Or do I have to talk about comedy? You decided to do comedy. Don Jr. I'm your father. So the point is, if you really believe that this person is a danger and is not upholding their oath of office, then you have a responsibility to vote to impeach them, whether or not you think it's actually going to happen. Does that... So is it, his question was, is he going to be impeached or not? Uh, no. I mean, is he going to be removed? removed. No. no. Yeah. What about you, Noam? What do you think? Uh, no, there's no, there's, no, there's no chance he'll be removed. No, did you want him to be impeached? No, but uh, I did it... I, at, when it, when there's As we heard, the Jews don't want... Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I love when he just says for that. the record he says you Jews don't all like me, but you should. <laughs> <laughs> you love money. You love real estate. <laughs> money. You love <laughs> weird um, haircuts. <laughs> What's that? Weird haircuts. <laughs> he's he's doing. <laughs> yeah. He's you doing know, open mic. It's fine. Uh, yes. <laughs> so uh, when when, it, when the story first broke, I I said this uh, on the podcast right? When the story first broke, I actually was alarmed that he had done something pretty outrageous violating the civil liberties of an American. It looked like more than trying to investigate, he was looking to create dirt, you know, to smear Hunter Biden or something. But as, it, as it's gone on, um, that story has is, is kind of faded away. It seems more erratic and less focused. But most importantly, um, they talked about bribery for two months. Yeah. Now, bribery is one of the named defenses for impeachment. And then they, after two months of talking about bribery, they sit down and write articles of impeachment and they don't accuse him of bribery. Yeah, that's that, yeah. Which to me, and I think to a layman who's going to say, oh, they, it looks like they didn't have the goods on him. So, so my question is, do you think this is going to help him in an election? Yes or no? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if it helps him or hurts him or, or if it's probably neutral. Yeah. But um, the fact that he got impeached and it doesn't hurt him is pretty, you know... Uh, impressive and i i it, it could hurt him it, you know when you when you when you come down to an election that was decided by 70,000 votes yeah 35,000 going the other way would have made the difference then anything can affect the election but that was Hillary, you, you know so, right but i'm saying that the previous one so yeah i mean it does the democrats really do look impotent in my opinion that they had to back off the charge of bribery and and the so they're impeaching him on two things now. One is obstruction of Congress, which is absurd because he has every right to declare executive privilege and, and wait for the court to decide. He has every right. I mean, I can't even believe they had the nerve to, to do no. that. They, they chose not to subpoena John Bolton and Mick Mulvaney or whatever his name is, the people who were actually in the room. And so they're impeaching him essentially for abuse of power, which although... The Nixon impeachment uh, um, articles did mention abuse of power. It was on top of like 20 criminal violations. 
and nobody's ever been impeached for anything but something criminal. And abuse of power is a very, very nebulous. Nobody can tell you what it is. It's kind of like there's a we have the universe of the law, and then there's this other universe where we can't explain it to you, but we know it when we see it. And if we see it, we can remove you, and we don't, and we can just tell you it's abuse of power. You know, just that's too vague. That, too vague. That's what we used to talk about when we work for you. Abuse of power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's extremely, it's extremely vague, but but it's made even less. I, I'm repeating myself, but it's very important. It's made even less believable. Coming at the end of two months talking about bribery. Well, can I provide the counterpoint to that? Uh, first of all, why are you see, why? All right, I'm just going to talk to you guys because it can. Don't can use the counterpoint. Just, just answer. All right. So uh, number one, uh, imp for to be impeached, you don't have to have committed a crime. Uh, number one. How do you know? Because it says that in the Constitution. It you don't you, have to have It says that in the Constitution. Yes. Where does it say that? Uh, I don't fucking you know. Yeah. I'm repeating stuff. This is, what, this is the world yeah. we live in. Uh, number one. It number says, two. Uh, it says treason, bribery, or high other high crimes, crimes and misdemeanors. misdemeanors. Yes, right. Where does it say you don't have to commit a crime? Uh, I, I don't remember the Damn. exact wording. But Damn. anyway. so There, there is an argument that you don't have to commit a crime. Yes. But um, it doesn't say it in the Constitution. It's an interpretation. But go ahead. Okay, fair enough. Um, number one. Number two, uh, the... Now I forgot my second point. Oh, you want to read Twitter? All right, All right. so what he has that? not He has not uh, tweeted about it just yet. Um, he's he was tweeting, tweeting as you were. You give me the counterpoint. I was giving the counterpoint, but, but I, f I fucking lost it because uh, through, through all the snores. I, uh, <laughs> um, maybe if we actually had a conversation about this. So, so he's, he's tweeting in all caps, such atrocious lies by the radical left. Do nothing, Democrats. This is an assault on America and an assault on the Republic. That's an old one. Uh, that was nine hours ago. Yeah, so yes, it's quite that. old. All caps? All caps. Oh, no. Yeah. He's serious. He's, he's pissed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's pissed. <laughs> he's, he's, fun. I, he's really funny. Like, I like to... You know, I do that in my emails, too. Like, when there's something that is really important, I just put it on <laughs> Did you read the letter that he wrote to the... Was it to Nancy Pelosi or whatever? Yes. Oh, it's talking about her teeth and talking about... Or says, no, no. Not no, in the no, letter, no, no, but, like, but elsewhere. For, I, I love the letter because, first of all, they were telling us that this man could not read and write. Do you remember when... when yeah, yeah. Like that? And then you, he has this letter, and you'd think... Oh, it clearly was not written by his lawyers. I mean, it, it's it's clearly Donald Trump. Well, there was a an article out the next day who helped Trump write the letter, and it was apparently Stephen Miller and somebody else. I'm not saying nobody else saw it, but I mean, it's it's him, you know. It, it's it him. shines through, and it shines through. That's right. And they give him such a hard time for not staying within the dry, dull rules of the elements of style of previous presidents or whatever it is. And he has a certain, um, uh, you know, kind of innate wisdom. Like, he knows, like, no, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk like myself. That's what fucking got me elected. You know, like, they, if he were to take the advice of the people... Yeah. Who roll their eyes Absolutely. and tell him everything he does wrong? He would never be president. Absolutely. Like, they, they, like I'm not saying there's so many things he does that I don't like, so, and I don't like that he's vulgar. I don't like his tweets. I, I'm not saying I'm not def I'm not defending people who don't like it, or I'm, I'm not criticizing people for not liking it. What I'm saying is that the nerve to think that that they know better. Well, the, the fucking guy got elected president doing right. this. The most extreme. And if I was if I was him, I wouldn't change that. I would keep it the same. I would tone it down in certain ways. I w you know what I would do if I were him? I would stop with the 
the worst insults. I would stop calling John, Mc, you know, when he said John McCain, calling somebody ugly. Horse face. Uh, horse face. I would just. That's not, kind of funny, though. That's no, kind no. Of But all those things, uh, you know, uh, go back where you came from. Or, you know, that, that, none of that stuff helps. Mexicans are rapists. Those few things, even the Mexican point about a criminal element coming out, that's all legit. But the, but the, the truly, the most vulgar things he says, <laughs> I would tell him, Don, Donald, that doesn't help you. But yeah, tweeting, being himself. Speaking in plain English, I, I mean, it kills me. They say he speaks like a fourth grader. When he had The Apprentice, and it was the number one rated show, did, did you ever hear anybody complain about him being stupid or talking like a fourth grader? Well, he wasn't running for president. No, I mean, no, that don't, don't, that's a dodge. No, when somebody's an idiot and stupid and talks like a fourth grader and he has the number one show on TV, people will talk about it. Well, also, I mean, yeah. the speculation nowadays is that he's facing cognitive decline. Like, if you watch his interview, and this is the speculation about it. I, I'm not a cognitive scientist. But who's not? Who's not facing cognitive decline? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we age I can name day. a couple people in this room who aren't. <laughs> <laughs> so I, who are? I, you, you get my point. <laughs> yes, of course I, mean, I get I, I don't like Donald Trump in many different ways. But I, I don't mind his plain spoken quality. I don't need him to use big words. You know And and the point I was gonna make was also that, you know, the most extreme example of that is if he had listened to his advisors like Reince Priebus, who told him to drop out after the Access Hollywood video, then he would never have won. And Dude. he still won over all of those experts. That's right. If Jesse if if Jesse Jackson were ever called on the grammatical mistakes that he makes, which are ten times more than Donald Trump I mean, nobody would dare. Nobody would dare. He's an educated man, Jesse Jackson. A lot of people have been talking recently about why Joe Biden still has this persistent, let's say, 25 to 30 percent support in the uh, Democratic primary. I'm curious to know what your guys' opinions are about it. But personally, I think he has this implicit campaign message like, look, I am not crazy. And unlike my fellow Democrats and unlike the incumbent president, I am not a lunatic. I may be weird and I may say a lot of really impolitic, I'm weird things about my leg hair and about, you know, God knows what else. But at and, least I'm a return. And I promise no state. more, no more ears in your daughter. No more. No, yes, right. I promise that I learned from that after those hundreds of times. But uh, well, yeah. I, ha I have a theory. Anybody that was chosen to be a vice president should not run for president because the president chooses them. Somebody who doesn't have the charisma to take it over from him. No, the, not, the, Joe Biden is not. A no, good. the reason is because at any moment, give me one good vice president, Lyndon Johnson, that was George, better. George H. W. Bush, Lyndon Johnson, except, Cheney, except Bush. Well, what happened to Cheney? Nothing. I'm saying that? that won the election after that. <laughs> Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson. Johnson. That's the only one. Uh, Richard Nixon. Harry Truman. Fine. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Google? Fine. Well, that, and, and Al well, Gore actually won the popular vote. I mean, Nixon was like eight years later. Al uh, Gore, uh, yeah, Nixon. Uh, um, Harry Truman. What other okay, we got the point. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> uh, but no, Biden, I mean, I think people like him because he's a return to just politics being bland and boring. And Biden go. No, I, I, don't, I think it's even worse than that. I, I agree with you, but I think you're slightly misstating. I don't think anybody likes him. Yeah, I, they're I, tolerating him. <laughs> I think they just want somebody yes. normal. Yeah, and that, I agree with that. If yeah. he ran, they're gonna lose. Well, no, scream. Nobody is screaming their hearts out at a Biden rally. Nobody is like enthusiastically putting Biden signs in their front yard. It's to your point that nobody is psyched or even really liking Biden. It's more like, oh, this guy is a stable hand. 
And he also uh, has kind of the fairy dust that uh, came from Obama. So I think the Democrats... That was my point. ...did it exactly wrong. They rushed through this. Yeah. Which, given the fact that there's no way he's going to be removed by the Senate... Big mistake. You would like to see this happen as close to the election as possible anyway, if you could choose. You don't want it to wear off and do it a year before. It's going to, you know, so yeah. It'd be great for this to be happening in October. And they should have subpoenaed Bolton, who clearly seemed like he had some stuff he wanted. And wants about. to share it. Yeah, absolutely. Subpoenaed Mick Mulvaney. Let the Supreme Court decide whatever it is. Take as long as you need. Getting those witnesses up there. The Senate's not going to remove them probably no matter what. But get those real facts that are not hearsay yeah. of the people who are in the room. Get them on in front of the American public. And look, if they don't, if they don't come through with anything and Trump didn't, you know, if they can't back up that Trump did anything wrong, fair enough. Yep. But assuming that they have something, get that out in like October, right before the election. That's why you always need and to And vote do. him out of office, right? Isn't that, isn't that the smart it's move? Right. Not only it's smart for that reason, they're smart for another reason also. The Republican will have somebody as a backup. So they're not going to be like just all Trump, you know, so he'll be worried. I, well, I think they gambled, uh, but... They didn't uh, calculate the risk really well because I think this is going to hurt the Democrats more than anything else. The fact that they tried to impeach him and they did not succeed. Well, I also think that, uh, number one, the reason that they sped through it was because they didn't want this to influence the Democratic primaries. And this is going to be happening just as the primaries are getting started. Uh, you also, it's a huge wrench in whatever kind of strategy you're wanting to build for the general election. And suppose they did wait all the way until November. Trump would then come out victorious anyway and proclaim himself a huge martyr. It's the Mueller report all over again. I was dragged through two years of bullshit and investigations that yielded nothing. So Do I have I'm, to re repeat my entire point again? What I just said was a counterpoint to what you just said. No. Go ahead. The only thing you said that, that has a, has a uh, to me, has something I had to stop and think about was this thing about happening during the primaries, that it's a distraction from the primaries. I don't know that, I mean, each candidate might see that differently. Obviously, somebody still has to win the nomination. So uh, uh, something that's happening like that, the question is, who does it help and who does it hurt? Can't hurt everybody. Well, it hurts the senators most because they're the ones who are tied to their desks who aren't out campaigning okay, and fundraising. So, so who are the senators? Uh, Klobuchar? Sanders, Klobuchar, senators. Booker, formerly uh, Harris from California, and Elizabeth Warren. All, right, so all of whom either Warren is were, out. Warren? Or, no, I mean, uh, Harris uh, is uh, out. Harris all is the out. others are, are moderate to high contenders. So it's your theory that the senators pressured the party... To move it along. I didn't say that. I don't, who knows what it actually was, but also they probably made Could the calculate. Uh, Mitch McConnell said that he wants to go through it in a speedy way uh, and get this over with and out the door because, you know, it's not good for optics. Trump takes your position. He wanted this to play out as long as possible to create a total media spectacle where witnesses like Joe Biden and Hunter Biden oh, and Adam Schiff and Nancy be... all of America would be watching that please yeah. please call Hunter Biden but it please. you know i mean how is that ultimately it's a waste of time and if trump well, is well the whole thing a, is a waste of time they, they had their waste of time now he's entitled to his well, waste of time that that's the other thing i was going to say was uh, to mustafa's point democrats were gambling and they were banking on the fact that republicans would come around and change their minds but in a hyperpartisan atmosphere all they did was dig in further they didn't they didn't come through with any 
They, I don't say they had no evidence. They did have evidence. I presume that this was a, I presume that he wanted a meeting. This is not. Um, so extorting you, the Ukrainian president to go on TV, which never actually happened, but extorting him to go on TV and proclaim that there is an active investigation into Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden uh, and, and holding up military aid for that purpose is you don't see that as an impeachable offense. Well, here's, here's what's interesting. You're using the word extortion, which is a legal term. And um, that's what I'm saying. But it's undercut by the fact that they never mentioned it in the articles of impeachment. Yeah. So who cares if I think that's an impeachable <clears throat> offense? It's not what he's accused of. Fair enough. They yeah. probably didn't have, <laughs> didn't have the, the right legal ramification to impeach him with that. I mean, I, that, I, that would have been a... But, you know. but I think all you need... To, like, if you go on the internet, and you can see... What's his name? Shokin and Lutschenko, whatever these these Ukrainian um, uh, uh, prosecutors. We have a lot of in Ukraine. Be careful. Both of them doing interviews saying Joe Biden. We were told not to do this because Hunter Biden was on the board. We were uh, uh, the ambassador gave us a no, like a, a hands off list. I mean, there's all sorts of um, accusations being made by the Ukrainians. And then, of course, we have the the facts of the Hunter Biden situation, which are absurd, right? And then you have to say, no, Mr. Trump, you had no right to look into that. You had to choose between staying president or looking into that. Well, looking into it is completely different. Looking into it means, you know what? I want you guys, we're going to play hardball here. This is, I think, Donald Trump, I think, yeah, it actually... You know what? It does kind of help me in the election, too. But that doesn't mean I can't do it. I'm opportunistic. Fine. But you know what? This is something going on, and the American. Believe me, I know my voters. They're the we won. They are interested in this. Yes, they right. want me to find this out. But that is they the, think this is the national interest. That part, that part, I don't have a problem with. What I have a problem with is holding back the aid. But he didn't that, really hold back the aid. Well, he did. They were he, he did. It's a, it's a, he's a businessman. He has a leverage. Yes, That's he his, his leverage. leverage. He was squeezing them, and he yeah. was going to release it. Most probably release it. Yes. On, on September or the day that it, the 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 um in case anybody is unaware nobody in Ukraine died because of this yeah. Ukraine didn't disappear At the, they make the argument it is a talking point but it's also true that Obama didn't even want to give him these weapons so it, it, for people to say how could you put the Ukrainians in this position is well okay but you know the last administration did at a time when the war was even hotter. Than it is now. Yeah, yeah, but the timing of it. The ti- you can't ignore the timing. Yeah, you can't he, ignore the the, le- the leverage that he used as no. a president so this and the, his power. I mean, that's, yes. that's... So, but this is the thing. And this is very dangerous in these conversations. You start talking about the terrible, fucked up, abhorrent thing that the president has done. And then all of a sudden, you then say, and therefore he should be impeached. But the fact is... That never before, he's not the first president to do terrible, fucked up, abhorrent things that people were totally fucking outraged by. Yep. But they were not considered impeachable. Question is, why is this terrible, fucking abhorrent thing done, that he's done, somehow cross the line to be worse, self-evidently worse, even though it's not a crime, than any of the, than Lyndon Johnson having the FBI and CIA spy for him, than bugging Martin Luther King, I mean, then the, the, bombing Sudan when Bill Clinton during the Lewinsky thing, then, well, uh, uh, then, then, pres- then President Obama uh, saying he, originally saying, I'm not a king, I can't do anything about the dreamers, and then legalizing all the dreamers. I mean, 
Where are they getting this well, from? Well, the answer that I would have to that... Now, I, I will say off the top that I've not read the articles of impeachment yet, so... Uh, uh, is there is there anything I can fucking say without <laughs> some kind of fuck... Like, uh, do I start snoring and making comments whenever you say something? I'm interesting. <laughs> That's what you just whispered to Hot Time. I'm Where are you going? I'm boring. He's going to lie down. Uh, <laughs> no, he's uh, going go. Come I back. We want to talk about the seller. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I haven't read the articles of impeachment, yeah. but uh, what I will say, number one, is that hypocrisy is not an argument, number one. Uh, you can't point to these things that other people have done or may not have done and use that as some kind of justification or not justification for what's going on right now. Why? Uh, because it has nothing to do what's going on right, with what's going on right now. The Congress of 1967, when Lyndon Johnson was bugging people's phones, is most of those people are dead. That, that has no bear, except perhaps in a legal precedential way. It has no bearing on what it is we're talking about right now. Even the, the Obama actions with the Dreamers, you could make an argument uh, for... I don't think he was he was impeachable. I'm saying like somebody could say, well, that was lawless. Okay, they could we, say you, that was he lawless. He himself said it was... He didn't we're not right dealing with it. the same set of circumstances or individuals or legislature. But, but so this it has is, no but, bearing. But you understand what I'm saying here? This is why abuse of power is such a weak charge to uh, try to remove a president on. Because mm. when, when you break a law, you have the statute... You have precedent, right. you have legal decisions, and somebody can say, look, this is the law, this is how it's been enforced before, and, and unless you're a totally intellectually dishonest, you say, yeah, yeah. he did pull a trigger, he did point a gun and pull a trigger, he did, you know, you did, you accuse him of a crime, and you, when you say, listen, he didn't, we're not saying you committed a crime, but this, to any decent person, you know, he's, it doesn't matter that half the country voted for him, this is more important than their vote, this simply cannot be tolerated. Was the aid ever withheld? No. Was the meeting ever well, held? Well, it was withheld, no. and then it was released. Yeah. Did, did it, in other words, are there any actual, any actual repercussions? Con- no. That, that, that's not the end of the matter, but it, you know it matters. So and and um, and by the way, um, some people say actually he only wanted the announcement. He didn't even really want the meeting, right? He just wanted the announcement of the meeting. Uh, but yes, but, right. And 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 all this is so urgent. That we can't even tolerate waiting until the next election. Yes, correct. That's kind of it. Doesn't it sound absurd? Well, it, it's in some ways. I should yes. defend them. In some ways, it's not absurd because this is a issue that goes directly at the heart of the integrity of our elections. Can we really rely on Donald Trump, especially if he is acquitted after this? Uh, Do they inject these things into you? I am. I am giving the yeah. best defense. Go ahead. Go ahead. You. You want the best defense? Yes. I'm giving it to you. Yeah. Uh, come tw- the election of 2020. Can we really rely upon Donald Trump to be a fair broker and to not rely upon outside interference? Of course not. Of course. Of course not. So is then, that is that is that a, is that a is that a legal requirement? Is that a legal requirement? I don't. You don't. That's not included so in your saying, oath of office. Is, but is there some group of people out there who put themselves above the voters to decide these things for no. us? Well, that's what it sounds like. No, but you're asking uh, me what kind of justification. And, 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 and I'm at the I'm end saying, of the day, whoever's going to vote for him is going to vote for him anyway, regardless of what we think or the impeachment or anything. Whoever doesn't like him, he's not going to vote for him. That, this is it. I, I'm not sure I was clear. When they reduce it, and you, this has become the talking point, you say, actually, he's so duplicitous, he didn't even want to actually uh, have the investigation into Biden. Correct. He just wanted the announcement, as if an announcement was going to be remembered a year later. Like we're not. So, but at the same time, they say, but he wanted that announcement. He is so dangerous. We can't even wait for the election. He might ask for another announcement, that the republic might fall. 
I'm saying is that it's so elitist. If this is really all you think he did, try to use some leverage to get an announcement, then you know what? Fine. Have the investigation. Let everybody know what he did. Subpoena the witnesses, the actual witnesses who, who were in the room, and then let the American voters decide because we are a democracy. Now, if you think he's going to nuke Canada, which is one of the examples, yeah, maybe you need to get him out right. We can't wait till he nukes Canada. If you, I made the argument, like, if he had, I was worried about this a year ago, if he, because Michael Cohen accused Trump of using the N-word. And I remember thinking at the time, if he was actually calling people the N-word as president, I could see that being impeachable. Because I, the, the country can't function with a president calling people the N-word. Like, I could see that. I could I be sympathetic to the argument. Like, that is a direct threat to the republic. We can't wait for an really? election for that. Yeah, because I, mean, I understand that. Like, how are we going to operate with a president who's calling people the N-word? It's just like Who he, loses the respect of pretty much everyone. Well, I mean, just, and just, you know, stands against... I mean, it, it, just, it just speaks for itself. I, I don't know legally and constitutionally... If it's impeachable, but I do understand, I would understand the argument like we can't, we can't survive this. We need him out now. There's nothing about this Ukraine thing, which to me is comparable to that. We can survive it perfectly fine. What the fuck does the president do anyway? I mean, you know, we'll be fine with a president who uses this kind of leverage again to try to get an announcement of a meeting. Like, that's not, that's not the, the end of the, the world. The voters can choose whether they like this or not. Or you know, what, you know what else Congress can do? They can make it illegal. Well, they're trying to, yeah. and Mitch McConnell's holding it up. No, they can, Congress can try, can try to pass a law and say, you know what? We think what President Trump shouldn't be did should not be allowed in the future. So we're going to make it illegal to do the following things with foreign leaders. They don't even, nobody's even proposed to make this well, thing they, illegal. That's well, actually how you fix things. Yeah. No, but from my And then if he does it again, now you've broken the law. From now my understanding, uh, there has been legislation introduced into the Senate to uh, further clamp down on foreign interference, and Mitch it's McConnell's far, holding you know, it up. You see, when you're regurgitating the... the, the well, I said to my understanding, right, no, but I don't I'm saying, claim to be an expert on we, this. They've inherited the language of the Mueller probe, foreign interference, to describe something which is not foreign interference. It's just not. It, foreign interference implies they have an agenda. The Russians had an agenda, and they start planting Facebook ads here, and they have Trump over the barrel, and they're going to get Trump. To, that's foreign interference. The Ukrainians are asking for aid, and Trump wants to get some information from them. <clears throat> he want, I want you to get to the bottom of what happened in this really suspect chapter with Hunter Biden and with all that. That's to say that that's foreign interference is crazy talk. Well, I mean, you yourself have said that that's also a violation of Biden's civil liberties. So how is that? Not no, I, I thought it was when I first heard it. But now that I <clears throat> know the story, I and, and, and there's a key part in the Zelensky transcript where he says, um, I want I want to put you in touch with my attorney general about it, which is the right way to do it. At first, when it was presented to us before the transcript, it was like Trump was getting, it was like it was all under the table, like this kind of, you know, uh, a rogue kind of investigation out of the basement or something. But if you read the transcript, no, he said, I want you to look in, I want a favor. I want you to look into this Burisma thing or Hunter Biden, whatever he said, Biden thing. I will put you in touch with the attorney general, which meant that the Justice Department would be involved. So, no, that's not a violation. Presumably, the Justice Department would do it in the proper way. 
So I think the whole thing just goes up in smoke. As usual. And and not because I'm, I, I I want to. Not not because I I was inclined to defend Trump on this. It's just because I've been as I've been thinking about these arguments and I've been testing them on important people, right? I haven't heard any answers. Yeah. I agree. All right. Fair enough. And on that note... Well, we have some, uh, what, comedy seller history to go over. Oh, yeah, comedy seller. Go ahead. I, I just want to make sure <laughs> there's something... Uh, is, wait, is... Um, uh, um, you might have to do it without me. Why? Which is very... Why? Yeah, we can't it's not going to be the comedy seller without you, then. We got to oh, go? I do have to go. Well, let me... Let me I'm going to find out one second. Yeah, we should have... Uh, yeah, well, to tell the... We want to tell the Mustafa story. It's an amazing story. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Mustafa was walking on McDougal Street. This is this is how <laughs> this is what a this is what a, a a horrible place we are. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I actually was uh, I was uh, I was uh, told to come and look for a job as a when was that? That's like that? in ninety uh, four. Okay, Jesus. Christ. Um, yeah, I was told like you know if you want a job. You know, you should uh, you should go down to McDougal Street. There is a lot of uh, Middle Eastern restaurants. Yeah. So um, I came. I looked at Mamoun. Uh, there was Alibaba across the street. There was Yatagan down the street. I looked. I was like, this is, I don't need a waiter, you know. And I passed by the olive tree, but I was like, you know, I don't know what this place is. Yeah. But he saw the, the Star of David in the window, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> but no, I actually didn't. At that point, I, I haven't paid that. attention yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, then I went across the street and I spoke to Alibaba. Um, and he was like, oh, if you need a place to sit down, like, a, you know, there is this place across the street. It's very busy. Yeah. So um, I looked, uh, you know, I looked at the window. I asked him, "What is the name of the the owner?" He said, "Manny." Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at the window and I saw a star of David with Menachem Dorman on it. Uh-huh. So, so you're uh, the one that broke it, okay? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> it, it actually got broken. <laughs> no, no, no. We know. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did it? It was. Uh, we know who it was. Go ahead. I'll tell you. I'll tell you off camera. Okay. Off camera. Okay. So um, um, Hassan was working. You remember Hassan? Yeah. You know. And uh, he would stand right at the top of the stairs by the kitchen, yeah. where the kitchen was originally. And uh, I came in and I said, they said, I'm looking for a job. And Hassan uh, uh, looked at me and he said, uh, we, don't, uh, we don't have uh, dishwashers here. <laughs> I said, I said uh, no, but I'm looking uh, for a waiter. Oh, my friend, uh, no waiters here, only waitresses. <laughs> I, was like, I, was, I was really like, I was like, what? And then I saw Gerald. I'm like, here is, there's a way. He's like, no, no, he's not a man. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was basically oh, that was that was Hassan. What a different time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I went back across the street. It was a summertime. So I sat outside and I just watched the olive tree and the comedy star. And then uh, at that time, uh, Hassan used to also manage the wa. Yeah. So I see him running out. You know, Hassan would run out. And he ran out and the right to the Y. So I got in when he ran out, and I say they said uh, I want to speak to uh, uh, Menachem Dorman because I forgot Manny. Yeah. And the uh, girl at the door, the you know the hostess was like, uh, "Who is that?" I'm like the owner, you know. And uh, she goes and and gets Manny. Manny was like on table 21, you know, back, uh-huh. you know, uh, where like comedian the, table. Yeah, at that time, like the the whole place was com- different. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, Manny came, and you know Manny used to ro- used to walk fast, you know, 
So he came and uh, he's like, uh, yes, how can I help you? And uh, I said, I'm looking for a job. But I had a very heavy accent. I've only been two years in, in America. And uh, he goes to me, he's like, um, you have an accent. Where are you from? I said, I'm uh, from Palestine. And he goes to me, he's like, where from Palestine? I said, from uh, Haifa. He's like, that's not Palestine. I'm like, no, it is Palestine. <laughs> so, you know, he goes to me, he's like, no, that's Israel. I said, no, that is Palestine. So he goes to me, he's like, we're still at the door. Like, we're literally still, like, up the stairs. And he goes to me, he's like, uh, uh, what do you have? Do you have a Palestinian passport? He knew the answer, obviously. <laughs> and I said, no, I have an Israeli passport. He said, uh, okay, come, come. And we sit on the booth, and we start talking politics about, you know, about <clears throat> Palestine and Israel. And at that time, it was, um, it was like the second intifada. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ava was, was downstairs, and he called her. He's like, uh, he whispered to her, and she comes down, and she has this Palestinian passport. Yeah. So he has a Palestinian passport. <laughs> what? Yeah. When he was before yeah. Israel, yeah. But, yeah, before 1948, <laughs> oh and, he, and he left, and he had that Palestinian passport. And here I am, a Palestinian, I have an Israeli passport. <laughs> oh, so it was, like, it, was, it was literally like the perfect situation uh, for us not to work together. He said he was born in Palestine. I think, I think it was a passport that just said Yeah, Palestine. born in Palestine. Yeah, yeah, not a Palestine. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there was a Palestinian passport. Maybe. But <laughs> 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 so, um, so, yeah, I, um, you know, we actually, you know, we actually uh, kicked it from the beginning, and uh, it was like, you know, I, I looked, like, at the beginning, it was like, this man is like, everything that I'm saying, he's against, but meanwhile, there's this, there's this, um, there's this like heart to heart conversation. Like yeah. I didn't feel, I felt like he understood what I was saying and he felt that I understood what he was saying. Like we were talking opposite directions, but it's kind of like we, it just fit perfectly. Like yeah. I can't, I can't just describe it. It's like, it's one of these things. Like it's like when you go on a date and it's like the perfect woman, yeah. like, it, it literally like our relationship clicked at that point. And, uh, listen, this is my father talking about, can you be the woman in the story? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the woman in the okay. story. When it comes to your father, I'll be the woman in the story. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was great. And from, from that point, man, um, like for me, Manny was like, uh, was like really a father figure. Like even, even during my graduation, he was there before my family yeah. and he had the camcorder and he recorded the whole thing. He actually, he's the only one that has a footage. Yeah. Oh, of, I, I of, probably uh, have it in my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can find it for you. Yeah, um, it was half off if you go early. Yeah, I think he yeah. has it in his, <laughs> in his in his porn in a box of porn. <laughs> box. Of porn. <laughs> <laughs> so how did how did you get? I know you gotta go somewhere. Let us know when you want to end. But uh, how do you wanna? Uh, how did you start the comedy cellar? Like there was no comedy cellar at the time, or that was yeah, yeah. No, no, no. There was the comedy cellar, and the shift was basically you shift between the comedy cellar and the and the olive tree, and uh, you know I. You know, I used to work, which Manny was very generous uh, for letting me work like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. and then Sunday, like opening. So I would work like on Thursday night, Friday opening to close, Saturday opening to close, opening uh, Saturday open and comedy, and then Sunday just open. Damn. And uh, I used to live in Buffalo, but most people didn't even know that I used to live in Buffalo. So I would drive from Buffalo, New York, on a Thursday morning to get here for my Thursday. Night shift. Yeah. Buffalo. And, can, yeah. Can, I, can I say that this is the fucking immigrants, why immigrants outdo Americans in, in a single generation? Can you imagine somebody driving from Buffalo 
all the way to New York City every week, Thursday, Friday. I mean, it's 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 unheard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unheard of. Yeah, yeah. People living on Thompson Street were complaining about the hours. <laughs> I mean, when he made money, yeah. he was living right here, and he was coming late all the time. So well, now, now, <laughs> now yeah. yeah. Well, that's. I mean, I, that, that's later. I mean, your your kids will never work like oh, that. They look no, like no. I wish they would work like that. Yeah, Who were the comedians at the time when you were? Oh well, remember? the lineup was like. I mean, this is pre Ray Romano, pre pre like everybody loves Raymond. I Attel. mean, it was like Ray Romano. Uh, Louis C.K., Billy Kevin Burr, Hart, Kevin Hart. Everybody. I mean, it was like Dave Chappelle. It was like a normal weekday yeah. show where all these comedians were like just the even regular comedians. Even Sean Stewart was still coming down. At that yeah, point. even Sean Stewart was coming down. Uh, and uh, and it, it was it was fun, man. I mean, even though the room, you know. Now, fast forward, um, there was uh, Louis Schaefer. Yeah. Louis Louis Sch- I, I, this is killing me, but I, I have to go. I, have, so I promise I'll be back. I have to go. Okay, okay. You go... You go um, uh, we can do this another no, no, day too. Continue, continue. I mean, you, you guys. We can, do you want us to wait for you? You have to no, do no. Don't wait for me. Just but you, you, you um, are every bit is qualified to to do this. You. Well, we know that, but okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you <laughs> yeah, but it's different when you guys. Here. No, but no. We, so, are you coming back? No, I won't be able to come back. I mean, I, I mean, can you do another day? Yeah, yeah, I'll do another day. We can do another day. This is something that I, you know, it's there. There's a personal okay, thing. Okay, here. okay. Let's so let's let's do. Can we do next week? Are you let, yeah, let's tell this part one. We'll next do week. part two next week. I know it'll next be all about the comedy right. celebration. So let's, let's, let's sign off now. Good night, everybody. You were listening to Live from America podcast. To contact us, please go to www.livefromamericapodcast.com. Brought to you by the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production. 